Welcome to All Places Together. Here we believe that our stories are connected to one another and rooted in God's radical love for diverse creation. Wherever you are, whoever you are, however you are, take a deep breath. We're at the table with Jesus. This week's story is called Compassion at the Table. Do you ever feel envious as you stare at photos of over-the-top meals and parties on social media, celebrity gossip sites, or even the news? You know, like a friend of a friend has a stunning wedding and you would have loved to sit at the decked-out table with three-foot-high floral centerpieces, coordinating candlesticks, and artfully shaped pats of butter. The perfectly plated food at an exclusive fundraiser that you could never be able to afford to make the donation in order to be at makes you salivate. And I don't know about you, but I've always been intrigued by all of the pomp and circumstance of formal state dinners. Everything seems so polished and measured on the outside, but chances are there is wheeling and dealing happening that only the trained eye could see. Right? And that's like the truth of it. Nothing is as perfect and as polished as it seems. At that stunning wedding, you know someone was crying in the bathroom. The fundraiser helps people in need, but the wait staff isn't paid a livable wage. And I don't even know that I can accurately imagine the underside of a state dinner, but I do know it would make my toes curl. We may want to be at these tables, but the reality is that like the grass isn't greener on the other side or whatever the food version of that saying is. They're not always safe or kind or good places to be. The Gospel of Matthew tells the story of one such political dinner. It's Herod's birthday. He is the main political leader in the region at the time, and he is getting nervous about some particular Jewish leaders who seem to be stirring up trouble. Now, Herod has always been worried about Jesus since Jesus' birth. But in today's reading, Herod is particularly concerned about a different leader, John the Baptist. John is a prophet, Jesus' cousin, according to son, And he's also a really odd duck. John had been preaching and teaching in the wilderness for some time about a coming Savior, Jesus, who's going to change the world. John had been baptizing people in the river for the forgiveness of sins, but he also claims to point to the one who will bring about a whole new life for those in bondage, Jesus John wears things considered weird by others, camel hair and a leather belt. He eats honey and locusts. Yet despite all of these oddities, John's message catches on. Just as Jesus had followers, John did too. John also publicly criticized Herod for marrying his brother's wife. And Herod And his new wife did not like this one bit. Keeping all of this in mind, let's take a look at his birthday party and see how it turns out for both Herod and John. I'm reading Matthew 
chapter 14, verses 1 to 12 from the Common English Bible. At that time, Herod the ruler heard about Jesus. He said to his servants, this is John the Baptist. He's been raised from the dead. This is why these miraculous powers are at work through him. Herod had arrested John, bound him, and put in him in prison because of Herodias, the wife of Herod's brother, Philip. That's because John told Herod, it's against the law for you to marry her. Although Herod had wanted to kill him, he feared the crowd because they thought John was a prophet. But at Herod's birthday party, Herodias's daughter danced in front of the guests and thrilled Herod. Then he swore to give her anything she asked. At her mother's urging, the girl said, Give me the head of John the Baptist here on a plate. Although the king was upset because of his solemn pledge and his guests, he commanded that they give it to her. Then he had John beheaded in prison. They brought his head on a plate and gave it to the young woman, and she brought it to her mother. But John's disciples came and took his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus what had happened. It seems that Herod's birthday party would have been an enviable invitation to receive. Only the most important and powerful people would be there. If there were ancient tabloids or news outlets, they would have been covering the event. However, it turns out to be quite the gruesome affair. It's exploitive and it's violent. It's not safe. Those who would have been invited would have been the upper tier of a hierarchical social structure that put people into like a pyramid structure. The closer that you were to the top, the more economic and political power you had. The very top of the pyramid was the emperor who was seen as a god in their pagan religion. The very bottom of the pyramid was made up of people who were enslaved and treated as property, not people. Then there were lots of levels in between. The pressure was to do everything you could to move up. Moving up took both wealth and the willingness to both be used and use people. Moving up meant you were okay with putting other people down. And the people at Herod's party were at the top. This meant they had exploited and oppressed many people to get there, or they inherited that position of power from a male family member who had done the exploiting and the oppressing, and they just, like, kept it going. As a group, these people did not display kindness, generosity, or mercy. Then there is the concern of the dancing. Herod's stepdaughter slash niece dances for them. And the text indicates that this wasn't like a wholesome dance. This isn't a proud family member watching the tap dance recital at the end of the school year. This is the exploitation of a minor. And we're told that Herod is thrilled by her dancing. And in return, he offers her whatever she wants. Following the directions of her mother, she asks for the head of John the Baptist on a plate. 
Herod directs his guards to do just that. No one speaks up to stop it. It actually seems that Herod is afraid of losing face in front of his guests if he doesn't follow through with this gruesome request. And no one stops him, right? Everyone at that table is complicit in the state-sanctioned murder of John the Baptist. So at first, it may seem that this is the sort of party that ancient versions of ourselves might want to be a part of. I don't know about you, but once I understood all that was on the underside of the party, I realized I didn't actually want to be there at all. And I hope you noticed one other detail about this party. Jesus isn't there. And given that this whole series is about Jesus being at the table, you might be wondering where he is. I'd love to tell you. Jesus is at an entirely different table. The 14th chapter of Matthew continues with this. When Jesus heard about John, he withdrew in a boat to a deserted place by himself. When the crowds learned this, they followed him on foot from the cities. When Jesus arrived and saw a large crowd, he had compassion for them and healed those who were sick. That evening, his disciples came to him and said, This is an isolated place and it's getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said to them, There's no need to send them away. You give them something to eat. They replied, we have nothing here except five loaves of bread and two fish. Jesus said, bring them here to me. He ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves of bread and the two fish, looked up to heaven, blessed them and broke the loaves apart and gave them to his disciples. The disciples gave them to the crowds. Everyone ate until they were full. And they filled 12 baskets with the leftovers. About 5,000 men plus women and children had eaten. These two stories about meals are side by side in the Gospel of Matthew. I used to always struggle with understanding the story about Herod's birthday party. But then I realized it needed to be read in parallel with the story of Jesus's lakeside party. The guests at Herod's party were the powerful. The guests at Jesus' party were anyone who wanted to be there. We aren't told the details about who these people were in particular, but we're given this number, 5,000 men plus women and children, so like at least 10,000 people, maybe more. And this crowd is likely comprised of all types of people, maybe some of the rich and powerful, but also those in the middle, and surely some of those on the bottom who were able to get away from their daily work. There may not have been representatives of every group alive at the time at Jesus's meal, but it is significantly more diverse than the crowd at Herod's. It's like another expression of what we talked about in last week's episode, Crumbs at the Table. Herod only had a set number of invitations. There was a limitation there. But Jesus fed everyone who showed up. The generosity and the food multiplied. 
So what started out as a few loaves and fishes became more than enough for all to eat. So apparently, even if God's love is like pie, the pies could multiply to be sure that no one is left with the crumbs. Another difference is the experience of the children. Herod's daughter slash niece does this dance, but at Jesus' meal, the children are fed and nourished. They are not put into any precarious situations. They are not exploited. Another very important difference is that no one dies because of the event. Rather, people come to Jesus to be healed. They experience that healing, and then Jesus feeds everyone. Jesus nourishes people abundantly. Albeit the food isn't fancy, it's just fish and bread. But the quantity is more than enough to sustain life. Jesus gives life through healing and through nourishment. He does not take it away. Finally, the reason for the party is very different as well. Herod is celebrating his own birthday. Now, don't get me wrong. I love attending and throwing a good birthday party. However, the purpose of birthday parties are self-centered and self-celebration. Jesus' reason for having the party is the opposite of self-centered. If I were him, I would have been so upset that all these people were following me when I just wanted to get away to grieve my friend who had been viciously murdered. But if Jesus is annoyed or angry, he doesn't show it. Jesus has compassion for the people who have come to be with him, to learn from him, to be healed by him. And he wants to feed them. The disciples are like, better send them away so they can get something to eat. And Jesus is like, no, y'all, we're going to feed them here. Together, these stories warn us against the temptations of power used to oppress and remind us of the power of compassion. As we continue to reflect on what it means to come to the table with Jesus, this week we are shown a few beautiful things from Jesus's example. That time together may not always be planned. Heck, it might not even be convenient. But God's compassion can make community anywhere. The meal may not be Pinterest perfect, but God's abundance fills up everyone and provides enough for leftovers. In God's community, children are taken care of and nourished and put in safe places, not in precarious ones. Time with Jesus and meals with Jesus bring about healing and new life, not death. So I invite you to spend some time this week reflecting on some of the meals that you have had over your lifetime. What was the fanciest meal you've ever had? And was there an underside or complicating factor to that meal? What was the largest meal you've ever attended? Have you eaten with 10,000 people before? What are some of the meals where you have either shared or received compassion? And how might you share the compassion that you have received from God with those in your everyday life? I'll be posting these questions on social media, so I hope you'll find all places together there and share some of your stories with the wider community. Jesus' compassion and love for humanity and creation is abundant. It's for each person who is called to the table, 
and for those that just show up begging for the crumbs. Jesus' compassion is for you, wherever, whoever, and however you are. Prayer for Compassion. God of abundance, amidst your own grief and pain, you continue to show compassion to all who come asking for your help. Your healing and nourishment saved so many, and we know that it is still with us today. Open our hearts to show compassion to those who we encounter in our own lives, even when it isn't convenient. Empower us to support and advocate for those on the margins to prevent exploitation and violence. Help us to show ourselves compassion when our wants and desires lead us to unhealthy places. And may we always find ways to give thanks for, celebrate, and share your love in our lives. Amen. Thank you for joining us at All Places Together. If you heard yourself or someone you know in these stories today, we hope you heard God too. Have you saved the date for our communion gathering on Monday, August 29th at 7 p.m. EST? All Places Together is gathering on Zoom for a special time of sharing our stories, prayer, and communion. The details on how to get that link will be shared in August. But right now, I want you to know that this table is open to anyone who wants to come. We'll share communion for those who want to partake. And if you don't want to have communion, that's okay too. We are also welcoming anyone, even if you're a member of another congregation, you're welcome to come and be with us that night. I'm ever grateful to our mission partners of the Virginia Synod and the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America and supporters like you who share generously with All Places Together. Your financial contributions enable this podcast to happen and for the love of God to spread. If you'd like to make a gift, all you have to do is go to our website, allplacestogether.org. Scroll to the bottom where it says Give to All Places Together. Click that button and you'll be redirected to our giving platform. We know it can be hard to give financially, so we celebrate all of the ways you share the stories of all places together with the people in your life and engage with us throughout the week. If today's podcast was meaningful to you, I hope that you'll tell someone you love about it, maybe even while you're sharing a meal. While All Places Together is connecting with new people through the power of social media, your word of mouth recommendations remain one of the most effective ways for us to connect with new folks. Thank you for listening and thank you for sharing. Until next time, remember that God loves you wherever, whoever, and however you are.